and welcome to the Sunday Morning Sleep-In Podcast. If you missed out on all the good stuff happening at church online this weekend, uh, like fellowship and music and snacks, we still can't give that to you in a podcast form. We can't even give you video in a podcast form. Um, But if you're still interested in catching up with the sermon, we are the podcast for you. I'm Susan Foster. And I'm Chris Gallagher. And we are United Methodist Pastors in Reno, Nevada, who are trying to make a... make church a little easier for the folks we know are busy away from home working maybe sleeping in or maybe bound by health yeah <laughs> may this episode be a jumping off point for you in your own theological musings we just ask that you keep an open heart and an open mind our sincere hope is that you will experience the mysterious loving force in the world we know as god moving in your life as you consider this so Susan, this sermon is from Pentecost. From Pentecost. Pentecost. Pentecost is 50 days after Easter. Easter. Um, but it predates Christianity. Yep. Pentecost was a celebration of uh, the people who had been freed from Egypt, the slaves who were freed and were wandering the desert and trying to imagine what their new world would be like. And uh, Moses, their great leader, goes up the mountain and comes back with the Ten Commandments. And he says, this is who we're going to be as free people. Right. We're going to be people who honor God, who honor each other. We're going to be people who care for each other. Um, we're going to be people who don't work ourselves to death. Uh, we're not going to reinstitute all of the culture of slavery in our lives now. That's worth celebrating. So all the Jews are gathering in Jerusalem to celebrate this way of being together, ironically, under the impression of the Roman Empire. Yeah. So they're celebrating being free people while also being oppressed people. But they're holding mm. on to that promise of God, yeah, right? The, that the already and the not yet. The already and the not yet, which is something, you know, talk about free people. <laughs> already and not yet free people. And they're gathered in this place for this purpose when this amazing thing happens, which is like the best special effects bit of the whole Bible. <laughs> I don't know. Does it really compare to the water thing? The, wa- the parting of the water. I mean, it depends. If you go with the historical parting of the water on the Reed Sea, it was more like they walked across a land bridge, <laughs> which is like, I don't know, balancing like on a log bridge or something, but maybe not as exciting as fire and wind. and all Okay. Things. Well, it's it's probably one of the most exciting things we actually celebrate in the church. Yeah. And some people call it the church's birthday. Probably not accurate, but it's an image that we use with kids to help them get excited. Uh, one of the things that Susan and I do sometimes is play with fire. fire. We have a trick where we can set, literally set our baptismal fonts on fire, which is kind of fun. Because what happens when you look in the baptismal font and you see water and then the water catches fire is that you go, well, that shouldn't happen. But, right? That shouldn't happen. That's and not- yet it's a pretty impressive 8-inch, 10-inch, 12-inch high mm-hmm. fire, which is fun. So we did that on Pentecost in our church, which is being live streamed currently. We set the baptismal font on fire and we talked about what, what does this mean for us? And so here's, here's where we went. You see, Pentecost happened the day after all of the big protests and riots in the wake of George Floyd being murdered Murdered. by a police officer, a white police officer in Minneapolis. There were protests in every state and across the world. And here in Reno, we were put on curfew for the first time ever since I've been here. Yeah. Uh, we all got often. little alerts on our phones that said, you're locked down for the night. Don't leave. I happened to be 
at a friend's house 20 miles away <laughs> so i went oh it's just downtown reno which i like live there but i don't need to get back there for a minute and then it was countywide so then it was time to leave yeah we our downtown church we were a couple blocks away from cars being lit on fire and city hall being broken into and everything else and there were a few things that i appreciated about all of this but this is the context mm-hmm. about what pentecost was like sunday morning people wake up this downtown has been damaged. I won't say destroyed. Yeah. Uh, but damaged, broken glass, graffiti everywhere. Um, there was one particular graffiti <laughs> that I loved seeing, actually, which is, this is why I'm a terrible person. It was just the F word with a number underneath, but the number kept changing. And I sort of thought, like, this guy was counting how many times he spray painted it. <laughs> So the highest number I saw was 21. If he did it 21 times, then, you know, like that's a productive evening for him. <laughs> that's some commitment. That's Just commitment. spray painting. For sure. Now, there were a lot of folks that I deeply love and care for who are passionate followers of Jesus who were there among the protesters um, who left before the riots. There were other people I deeply love and appreciate who were news yep. reporters, um, cameramen and such, uh, who were downtown trying to capture what was going on. And be present. There were several people I know who were beat up. Uh, several people I know who experienced violence that night. Um, and in the midst of all of this, what what good is Pentecost? Right. Right. What, what good, good is Pentecost? What What good is is this? The, as you say, the special effects. Yeah. Who cares? If If there's no, if it doesn't if it doesn't impact the actual living. If it doesn't impact this moment, right? And so, when we think about Pentecost, we think about this moment where the Holy Spirit shows up. Without special effects, maybe, Mm -hmm. but with special effects in the story, Mm -hmm. shows up and makes available to everybody a message of love and hope and redemption and transformation. And by everybody, we mean the disciples all start speaking in lots and lots of different languages. And so that people from all around the diaspora, which is a way of saying how everybody has been spread out. Yeah. Right. People from all around the diaspora are gathered together in this moment and the disciples are able to articulate to them a message of love and hope and redemption and transformation. This is the power of Pentecost, is that the Holy Spirit is willing to talk to whoever's going to listen. With Black Lives Matter movements and the ensuing riots, there were a lot of people out on the streets. There were cops, some of whom were behaving well, Mm -hmm. others of whom were not. There were peaceful protesters, there were anarchists, there were white supremacists, there were others um, living at loose ends who just happened to occupy space downtown and who went, oh, something... Something's happening. Something's happening. Let me jump in on this. People who feel invisible and were looking for any sense of power. There was this moment, this cacophony of all of these voices shouting at the same time. There's a lot of unrest um, when I was talking to people from the church, we, you know, we evacuated our custodian who lives on campus because we wanted him to be safe, uh, checked in with all of our people who reside downtown to see how they were feeling. And I heard a lot of confusion. I heard some apathy. I didn't really hear any fear. Hmm. There's a lot of questioning of authority. There's a lot of fear of violence, maybe. And there's this crying out in the midst of all of this of people who have experienced oppression so systematically that there is no place else for it to go. It's it has to come out in the streets. It has to come out loud. It has to it has to make an impact so that we'll pay attention 
which sometimes includes destruction of property and sometimes includes shouting and sometimes includes perhaps some bad behavior. In the midst of this weird mix, mm-hmm. what good is Easter? So here's here's my basics. Here's where I think we start. Okay. I think we start with God loves every life. Yep. Every life is of sacred worth. Mm-hmm. And it shouldn't be a big deal then to say that individual lives or groups of lives are of sacred worth. Right. So we shouldn't balk when we hear black lives matter. In fact, we should be screaming it. Mm-hmm. Because when people have experienced oppression for so long that it's clear to them that their lives don't matter, they matter to God. Yeah. So they matter to us. God loves every life. And saying that one life matters is not saying another matters less. Right. Also, every person has agency. Every person gets to choose how they will be in this moment. If they'll listen, if they will act with compassion, if they will act in solidarity, if they will choose that it is more comfortable to ignore, to tune out, to wait for it to pass, or if they will oppose, actively oppose people claiming that their lives simply matter. Every person has agency, and that's good news. Um, We read through our baptismal vows, United Methodist baptismal Mm -hmm. vows. Baptismal vows in the United Methodist Church are fascinating because it's not the baby who is baptized or the child who is baptized, but the parents and the congregation who make vows. Well, and even when we baptize an adult who is making a decision, Mm -hmm. it is a community activity. It is a community activity. It is not, it is not merely about that person's life, but it is about our life as a community and who, and who we are to the world. Exactly. And one of the things that we say is that Jesus Christ has me, has something to teach me about how to live in this world as full human being, right? Fully human, that I have the agency to choose to resist evil and justice and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves. themselves. And I will choose that. Um, Every person has agency. Now the costs are higher for some people than for others. Right. But every person has agency. One of the other things is that violence is never the solution. The number of times in scripture when Jesus gathers with a crowd and the number is named so that you know that it's the same size as a military unit in Rome. Right. And they say there were 5,000 there. There were 4,000 there. Well, that's a legion. That's a right? legion. That's a or bunch that's, of people. That's that's a set of troops that would have been a military unit. unit. Right. And Jesus gathers all of these people, and all of these people are angry and upset. And Jesus doesn't say, well, grab a sword, let's go. Right. Jesus chooses to approach that differently and to approach it with radical empathy to be moved by people. Mm-hmm. That's good news. Uh, it's also a call for us. Right. Right. One of the other things that I appreciate is that the truth will out. I think particularly in the days of cell phone video recordings and... Right. Everybody has one in their pocket. Yeah. Everybody's got a camera in their pocket. I think it's helpful for us to see what the situation is actually like and not what we'd like to believe. Uh, it's easy for us to say, particularly, I think, being here in Reno, I've heard a lot of people. And when I was growing up in California, I heard a lot of people say, well, that's not an us problem. That's a South problem. Or that's an East Coast problem. It is absolutely right here in Reno. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how many How many of our friends do we know who have been stopped by police for driving while Asian? Or, or Mexican. Black, or yeah. black. 
Well, and one of the young men from my church very graciously shared his story on Facebook about a local police officer who arrested him for literally no reason and planted something on him. And then uh, he said, why are you doing this? Why are you ruining my life? And the cop said, because I can. And now that they see each other everywhere around town, because this person is a musician and he's performing in public all the time, um, whenever the police officer sees him, he goes, do you remember me? I'm the guy who ruined your life. It's just constant baiting, constant, constant, constant baiting. And he said that's one of his stories, but it's certainly not not even the tip of the iceberg of all of the stories he could say about his treatment at the hands of local police. Now, I'm not saying all police officers are bad. Nope. I am saying that there are a lot of systemic things that we need to actually address. Exactly. And not just say that's the way it has to be. And the truth will out. Right. And the more that we ignore it, the louder it's going to get. So we have to listen. Yep. And that's the last thing. We have to listen. When the Holy Spirit is shouting a message of love and hope and redemption and transformation, it doesn't mean it's going to feel peaceful. Ugh. That's the hardest thing, right? Like, because I think we have, we have bought into this and it's part of, it's part of, I think it's part of um, prosperity gospel. For real. Right? The idea that if we're in good with God, we are at peace. Yeah, everything's fine. And everything's fine. And everything's perfect, actually, which yeah. is even more insidious. Yeah. Right? That we, we get this image that that if we're, if we're doing what God wants, it's going to be nice and peaceful. So that equates to the rabble-rousers are, are under control versus... Okay actually hearing and actually doing something that brings not just peace, but justice. Right. And it's really tempting for us to glom onto the little stories, like the peaceful protesters who showed up the next morning to clean up the city. That's a beautiful moment of humility that they are offering. Yes. Uh, It's a moment that honors that they belong to this community, but it is not something we should expect. Right. Right. Um, it's not their due for having a voice. Right. Um, there were lots of great stories being passed around about police captains and police chiefs kneeling in the street with the protesters. That's a nice story. Right. But even in those communities, there are things that need to be addressed. And, and kneeling in the street is not enough. It's not enough. I, um, I recently read the Malcolm Gladwell book, Talking to Strangers, and it's fascinating it's so good and it's so entertaining um it particularly if you listen to the audiobook because he kind of produces it like a podcast but he talks about very in-depth police systems and why police are trained the way they're trained mm-hmm. uh, and how when you take something out of context and generalize it it generally just causes damage because everything that happens is contextual yeah he calls it coupling everything is coupled to a time and a place And if you take it out of that time and place, it's not going to work. So he talks about the study of criminology in Kansas City in this very small two-block radius and how the police found that the more that they could pull people over after dark, go beyond the ticket, which means you pull people over for a broken headlight and then you search the car for drugs and guns. Because crime was coupled to this two-block or three-block area, the more they did that, the more effectively they stopped some violent crime. But it wasn't the whole neighborhood. And it wasn't the whole city. And even when they published this report, they said the danger of this is that people will try to do this everywhere and it will cause distrust, Mm -hmm. will cause broken relationship between the police and the people, and it will begin to make police see people as enemies. Right. Right? Well, 
Turns right. out that this That's study right. was picked up by just about every police department across the country. And all of a sudden, we're pulling people over for everything. We're going beyond the ticket and we're harassing people. And we can see from the statistics that it happens more to people of color uh, and it happens more in poorer neighborhoods than mm-hmm. it does anywhere else. And so he talks about the, the case study of Sandra Bland. What happens when we uncouple a truth from the place where it is true is that it becomes damaging. Right. Right. Everything is contextual. And so I told my church, there's a reason that we don't, I don't call us first church. I don't call us first church because I feel like, first of all, that's a brag. Right. And, we, we got here first. Right. And and, while, and, and and you're bragging of the people over the churches you guys gave birth to, which would be really weird. Really weird. Well, and while I appreciate that we have a, a history that's rooted in the community, mm-hmm. I appreciate that. It's not about bragging that we are the first church and everybody should honor us, right? So I call us Reno first. Because right. we are the Reno First United Methodist Church. I call us Reno first because I think that alters our perspective. Not as like, America first. Let's think about ourselves first. But that we are thinking about the community beyond the walls of the church before we think about anything else. Reno first. We need to seek we justice. Are context- and we are context- you are contextualizing. Um, coupled. Yes. To this place. To this place. To this moment. Our purpose statement is to seek justice, love, kindness, and walk humbly. Well, we are to seek justice here. Not tell other people how they should have justice. Seek justice in this community. Love kindness in this community. Walk humbly in this community here. And that... What that means often is that we choose crosses instead of crowns. We choose crosses and we choose crosses and we choose crosses until there aren't any crosses left. Until by us taking up a cross and standing in solidarity with people, as people who have a lot of privilege, we're a diverse community, multicultural community, LGBTQ affirming community, and yet we still have a ton of privilege. And how do we use that privilege in this place here and now um, to stand with people until there aren't those costs anymore until there's just crowns. And so the message of love and hope and redemption has to be lived out in us or, or we have forsaken the power of the Holy spirit and in fact prevented it. Yeah. And so, you know, be a peaceful protester, read a book about anti-racism, do some self-examination, do the work, pay attention to the news reports that tell us what's going on and then pay attention to the reports from the people on the ground. Mm Mm-hmm. Right? How do we listen and how do we share good news about what the church has to offer in this moment? Because it's not going to be exactly like every other moment. It's going to be contextual. It's going to be here. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks for listening to the Sunday Morning Sleep In podcast. Catch up with us on Facebook or on our website, sundaymorningsleepin.com, where you'll find an archive of all of our episodes with links to scripture and other cultural reference points we might have used. The music you're hearing is is Take Me Higher by Jazzer. Right, so on that website, you'll find the scripture link, which is from Acts chapter 2. And you'll find a link to that Malcolm Gladwell book, which I highly recommend. Um, Every week, every episode, we offer people a blessing. But usually what we believe, what we know, always, is that every person is of sacred worth. Every person is loved by God. And we are working on loving every person, too and particularly those people who are crying out. And so um, may you internalize the message that your life matters, that you have agency. May you internalize the message that black lives matter and trans lives matter and all the people who are crying out and saying the world is crushing us, that they matter too. May you love every person you meet. 
even the ones you might not think deserve it because God thinks they do.